Today is the first Sunday of Advent. I grew up in a church, other people might have done this, you know, where you have like, you light the candles at the front. Um, I don't know if places do that still, I guess they do. And uh, Advent was this kind of really exciting thing. At home, I had this awesome Advent calendar, a homemade one by my grandma. It was mega, I'm just going to build it for you. And it like had all the days and it hung on it and wrapped like and tied with string were like Freddos, fudge bars, curly whirlies. And then like on like bonus days, like fun size Mars bars. And that was my advent calendar, it was pretty epic. And then every night um, at tea times, we always used to eat as a family because I think that's important, it was great. We had a candle that like an advent candle that obviously went down from one all the, all the way and you could see the numbers going off and you know if you missed a couple of days you'd have an epic burning session where you'd get rid of three or four in one meal time you know what I'm talking about right it was exciting sure maybe in my little mind I was like oh only 22 days left now till the big day or whatever but actually now as I'm kind of a bit older I appreciate it was doing something else it was building expectation it was building anticipation and you know what I think we've lost that now, I know that people have these new traditions and they do all that kind of stuff, but I don't think the new things have that sense of anticipation and excitement. It's kind of gone one way and we've, we've lost what Advent is all about. We, we even call this season Christmas season now. Well, it's not really. We're in Advent, like the build-up towards that. And so, actually, I kind of want to just talk this morning, because it's the first Sunday of Advent, a little bit about that. You know, we've almost thrown away with kind of all the modern stuff. And I'm not knocking it because people are into their, like, veg on a ledge and all that stuff, you know, with Kevin the Carrot and elves on shelves and whatever. I just don't have enough shelves for enough elves. But, like, but even in that, there's, like, there's no sense of anticipation or no sense of, of building. Um, and so we kind of, even in Advent, we've become what we do all the time, which is, like, the instant generation, like... Everything is instant, whether it's coffee, whether it's Netflix, whether it's our internet. I mean, who else here gets grumpy if your internet's not working? Right? Massive first world problem. Right? Oh my goodness, my fiber isn't working. And I only have 20 meg when I should have 40 or 60 or 80 or whatever. And you, you have a little meltdown. Because we've become this like generation, this world where we don't do anticipation. We don't do expectation. We just want everything instantly. And Advent, the word means coming. It's to mark the coming of God, both the first time when Jesus came into the world. But also, and I think this is where the anticipation expectation thing, and this is where we miss it. How many of us in the season of Advent are thinking, oh boy, Jesus is coming back? Because that's what it's actually about. But we miss that, don't we? we? We kind of miss that and we're just so geared around everything being instant that our attention drifts off the future. And actually, we live like that all the time. As I said, we're like instant, everything now here. We don't really think about the future and what's coming. And a couple of verses really stood out to me from the Bible. And it's, it's two verses that I just want to look at that even in the darkness of this world, that there is an anticipation, there is an excitement, there is an expectation that something is going to change. And that actually as Christians, something is different. This is Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. It says this, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. 
The day is almost here. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. A, a few years ago, um, had the kind of it was great. We managed to get out to uh, Washington D.C. Um, for a, a couple of nights, and I'm one of those guys that like. If I can avoid paying for public transport and I can walk around everywhere, I'll do it. And so I was one of those guys who was like, right, we've got to get to this place, this place, this place, this place. And we were absolutely knackered, right, um, after that first day. Because I'm like a sightseeing guy. I'm a sightseeing holiday tourist kind of guy, as opposed to a lie. I do like lying on the beach. But I'd, I'd, I'd rather go and like sample culture and take in stuff. And we went to D, although America doesn't have much culture, does it really? But like taking the kind of short history of the place um, and all that kind of stuff. And we were doing that, and as we were doing that, there was tons of these people everywhere saying, handing out all these leaflets saying, Jesus is coming back. And I was like, yeah, tomorrow. I'm like, no, he's not. At least I hope he's not, because I've got DC for two nights. We've got a whole bunch of stuff that we're doing tomorrow. He can't come back tomorrow. He can come back the day after, but he can't come back tomorrow. And they were so adamant, and they were like, repent, because Jesus is coming back tomorrow. And I'm like, he's not, I don't think. He might do, but I can't categorically say that he is as those guys were. And you read Romans 13 here and I'm talking about anticipation and expectation. Plenty of times, as someone that's been involved in ministry, people have said to me, so when's Jesus coming back then? Anyone ever had that question asked to them? Like, you're a Christian, you know all this stuff. Well, you tell me when Jesus is coming back. And the answer is, of course, I don't know. Um, what? Stop shouting. Oh, I don't know what she said. I feel like the mic's not working, which is possibly why. Um, okay. You've made me really paranoid. I'm going to carry on in whispers. When people ask me if Jesus is coming back, if people ask me that, I just say, I don't know. But my answer is this. With every breath that I take, I know I'm nearer. With every day that passes, I know I'm nearer. I know that today, it is closer to that day than yesterday. And so on and so forth. And that's my answer to that. And Paul says here, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. This is what Advent is really about. That actually we are closer to the time that Jesus is coming back than when we first believed. Believed. And the Bible says here we can't afford to be sleeping. And the, the metaphor there isn't that you know, we're tucked up in bed with our hat on and our PJs on, but we're sleeping, we're spiritually, we're not ready. We're like, we're like sleepwalking through life, just careless, just going through the motions of life. And Paul's saying, you've got to wake up from your slumber. You've got to be ready. And that's what Advent is. A readiness, getting our hearts ready, getting our minds ready. It's something that's supposed to provoke us thinking about this Jesus stuff, both him coming as a baby, but also his second coming. And time is a great motivator, isn't it? Anyone else here, one of those guys, girls that says, I work better under pressure. Hence, I'm lastminute.com. I mean, that happened to me this morning. Somebody, I can't remember who it was. They were like, oh, I think it was Bev. She was like, last minute again, are we, Dan? And I was like, actually, no, I'm, I'm slightly better planned than I have been previously. But some of us work better under pressure. And this is what Paul's saying, actually, no, the pressure is on. Even though you don't feel it, the pressure is on because Jesus is coming back. Time's moving, salvation's coming. 
what would you be like if I was to say, and somehow I knew, and I don't, so don't get worried, that Jesus is coming back tomorrow? What would you do? If you knew tomorrow was the day Jesus was going to return, do you reckon you're just like laissez-faire, cruise through, just go and have your lunch as normal, stick the barbecue on, have a little tea, maybe stick your Christmas decorations up if you haven't already do it. Do you think you'd do that? This is, this is like a bit of audience participation. Do you think you'd do that? I, I don't think I would. I think I'd be like, oh my goodness, I've got to get ready. I've, I've got to get my family ready. And I don't mean like dressed up smart. I mean like we've got to get right with God. And actually, everybody that I know has got to get right with God because we're running out of time. Well, actually, the Bible and Advent and all this is to say, we're running out of time. Time is closer now than it was. Are you ready? Are you right with God or not? Have you given your heart to him or not? Because time's moving on. And I don't know, you don't know when that day is going to come, when Jesus comes back for his people. And that's what he's saying here is, Advent is supposed to provoke the, oh man, time is short. I better get ready. I better get everything in order. It also does something else. And these are all really quick fire. And I, I hope that they're kind of drawn from this passage a little bit so you'll see that. But what Advent is, you know, it's about us getting ready. And I think it's about hope. As a church, uh, we just had a week of prayer and fasting, which has been um, really cool, really challenging, but really good thing to do, really good practice if you're involved in that. Um, you know, it, it was remarkable, um, actually, and just kind of what that does spiritually. Um, Carl was talking about it last week. And, you know, as he's saying it, Actually, to do it, you see the truth in what Carl was saying last week about what fasting does. But if there's one word that I, I think of, because it, it follows on from the week of prayer and fasting, that we've now got these Advent devotionals, and I've written one of those on hope. And that's the word that I would use to sum up Advent, if you like, is hope. And you see it here in this passage. The night is nearly over, but the day is almost here. Now, you can read that in one or two ways. You can read that as a pessimist. Uh, but as Christians, I think we should be, as Carl says, eternal optimists. Of all the people in this world, we should be the most optimistic because we've got Jesus. We should be so full of hope because we've got Jesus. We shouldn't be half like empty glass people. And if we are that, we shouldn't be because we've got Jesus. We should be full of optimism and hope. And the night is nearly over, but the day is almost here. We live in a broken full of hurt, pain, miserable world, don't we? Where there's just brokenness everywhere before that. And our hearts get caught up in that, don't they? And we sometimes feel that, whether it's health or, or hurting or, or grieving, or in all kinds of ways, we get hurt. And yet Jesus was born into the world 2,000 years ago to bring redemption, to take brokenness and to bring restoration. And we actually live in something that's like the already not yet state, that already Jesus has come, he's already paid the price for you, that actually you can know freedom, you can know restoration, you can know healing. But it's the already not yet. It's not yet complete because we're still waiting for something. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. We're waiting for everything that was said that he was going to do for him to do it. But the good news when I read this, because I read this in an optimistic way, I don't focus on the night is nearly over, so there's still night. I focus on, but the day is almost here. The night is far gone. The night is almost spent. There will be a day when the night is over. There will be a day when all the pain and misery and hurt and brokenness is done away with. 
And there's these amazing words from Isaiah that say this. Isaiah 60, a prophetic word, says this. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Now, even if the day that's being spoken of here in Romans is taking over 2,000 years to come, you know, even if the night is drawing slowly to a close and the day is taking 2,000 years, God doesn't view time in the way that we view time, does he? So we've got to kind of remember that in the back of our minds. But this is what I want to say. But if the day is dawning, you cannot stop the sun. If the sun is on its way, there is nothing to stop it, is there? You, you, cannot, you cannot stop it. it. It gets rid of the darkness. Jesus entered the earth 2,000 years ago and God kept his promise to come in the first place. Which tells me something. That all the other promises that he will come back for his people are true as well. That we have to get right. That we're people that even in the midst of darkness we can be full of hope because the sun is starting to break. Which means in the midst of our hurt, which in the midst of our pain, we can look up and we can be full of hope. That actually nothing can stop the sun. The darkness is going to be rolled back. Nothing can stop it. The third thing I want to say is this. It says this. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. So there's onus on us to do something as well whilst we're still here in the land of darkness, if you like. And put on the armor of light. Every single day, every single human being faces a whole bunch of choices, don't they? What will I do? Will I go left? Will I go right? Will I be late for work? Will I be on time for work? Will I be nice to this person? Will I say nasty things to this person? Everything is making decisions. And actually, when we're doing that, we have a choice here. Do we put aside the deeds of darkness? Or do we put on the armor of light? And a few weeks ago, there's a kind of, I think this is the Lord speaking to me by the Spirit. I think I have a problem with car driving and car drivers. There was a whole parking incident that some people still remember from like three years ago where I got a bit annoyed about someone parking. And then there was a little like brawl that I, I didn't have a brawl, but a little bit of a coming together in Debenham's car park with somebody about a car park space. And then recently, I managed to make a woman almost explode in her car. Because I cut her up. I know. There was loads of space, I thought. But she, like, she was on the horn like, before I'd even moved. She was one of them. And you could just see as it happened, because it was in heavy traffic, so I was then blocking her, um, that her temperature was rising slowly. And you could see her going redder and redder and, you know, that she was going to explode. And then she was doing all these kind of gestures to me that I didn't understand, um, that I, th I think were friendly. Um, so I got out and slashed the tires. I didn't really, somebody looked shocked. I didn't really do that. I'm disappointed that some of you feel that I'm capable of doing that. Uh, I wouldn't know how to, to be fair. Um, I suppose I could go on YouTube. I, I didn't do that. I, uh, the Bible is full of tons of truth in how to handle these situations. But in the back of my mind, it wasn't a Bible verse that came to mind. But I've shared this before, but it was the penguins of Madagascar. Um, they, 
for me, they're just full of wisdom. Um, they're great guys. And in times of trouble, you know what they say? They say, smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. And I think that made it worse. Because if you can imagine, she's like in her car raging, and I'm trying to cut into traffic, and I've cut her up. I have cut her up. I have done the wrong thing. And I'm going... <laughs> I think it made it worse. But we face a choice. I could have had my head exploding in the same way. But I had this little voice in the back of my head, not when I was doing the smile and wave thing, but saying, actually, Dan, what happens if you bump into her again, or... What happens if she comes to your carol service and then she sees you out the front and she's like, you're the guy who slashed my tires. How do you know Jesus? Like actually in every decision we make, are we putting aside the darkness or are we putting on the armor of light? Here, Paul says, ditch the PJs, get rid of them, suit up, get ready because it's a battle because it's hard not to go with the world. It's harder to go God's way, isn't it? Especially if there's like injustice or people are up at you or people are getting really angry in their car or whatever it might be. It's harder to go God's way, isn't it? And yet we're to suit up. We need God's help. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul uses really similar language and says this, but because we belong to the day, let's be sober, having on the breastplate of faith, love and a helmet, the hope of salvation. So I think when he's talking about the armor of light, he's saying as people, we need to be full of faith, people that are full of love, people that are full of hope. And I know that there may be really vague terms. We go, oh yeah, we talk about faith, we talk about hope, we talk about love, but there's a bit of a vagueness to that sometimes. But actually in verse 14 of, of this chapter in Romans, it says this, it says, put on or clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean putting on Jesus in some kind of, you know, weird way, like a morph suit and you, you become like him in, in that sense. Um, you know, so that people look at you and it's like, wow, you look just like I imagined Jesus would 2,000 years ago. But it's kind of more saying, actually, you clothe yourself in him. The love, the faith, the hope that we have is all in that man, is all in the God man. That in those moments, our, our, our hope, our faith, our trust, our love isn't in ourself or our own ability, but it's in him. And Advent is that thing. Actually, this is all about Jesus. It's great that we sound that song greater than it all because that, for me, that's what it's about. It's about him. And in those moments, we're to clothe ourselves in faith, in hope, in love, to live as a child of God. We know we're children of God, right, if we put our trust in God, right? That's what we are. And so this passage is saying, you're the children of God, start living like it. Put it on. Be full of love. Be full of hope. Be full of faith. Be different to the world. Put aside the darkness. The darkness the Bible cites here is drunkenness. I don't need to spell it out, do I? Don't get hammered because that's what the world does. Put it aside. Sexual immorality. Keep yourself to yourself. That kind of thing. Um, Jealousy, dissensions, the things that often we just shove under the carpet, you know, being a bit moany and a bit chippy, being jealous of other people. They're emboldened, like they're bringing the darkness into our life. They're things here that Paul says, do away with them. That's not what Christians should be like. That's not what I want for you. I want you to clothe yourself in him. It's a little bit like this. We are, we're in a kind of 
a time where there is darkness and there is pain and there is difficulty. It's a bit like being behind enemy lines, if you like. To clothe yourself with God is a little bit like you're jumping out of a plane, he's your parachute. Without him, I'm stuffed. But with him, actually, I can be effective. I can start taking ground. I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Or a, another image you might use is that you, you literally clothe yourself in him. You're, you're battle ready. You've got everything that you need. You're equipped with everything that you need to be able to actually stand firm in your faith in what are difficult days. Because we're in a, a battle, aren't we? A battle where there, there's lots of darkness and our charge is to bring light. Our charge is, at Advent particularly, when we're thinking about Christmas and we're thinking about all of that stuff, to bring hope. So we've got to suit up. Not only have we got to be ready for him coming back and we've got to be full of hope, but we've got to get our hearts ready. We've got to have our own hearts and our own focus upon Jesus. And then this, most compelling and most important of all, Romans 13.8 says this, Let no doubt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. And then in our verse, a few verses later, it says, and do this, understanding the present time. The and do this is 13.8. The loving one another. The not letting there be any other debt except for the debt to love one another. So love one another. Because time is short. Because it matters. Because we've got to be full of hope. True love, Billy Graham says, is an act of the will. A conscious decision to do what is best for the other person ahead of ourselves. That's what love looks like. A conscious choice to put the interests of somebody else ahead of our own, even at a cost to ourselves. Even when it costs us. Even when it hurts us. So have no debts, Paul says, except in loving one another. Don't owe people anything other than to love them. Don't owe people a beating. Don't say, I'm going to get them one day. Don't owe them that. Don't owe people, um, you know, the bitterness of your heart. Don't hold grudges. If there's people there with grudges, get rid of it. You don't need them in your life. The only thing you should have in owing people is love. Nothing else. Not bitterness, not hatred, not dissensions, not grudges, but love. It's the most, the most telling way that you say, I'm part of the day, not part of the night. It's the most obvious way that you say, I'm someone who loves God, not loves this world and all that it has to offer me. And of course, if I was to think of one person ever who loves even at a cost to themselves, who goes out of their way to demonstrate how much they love, isn't that Jesus? Like born as a, even being born, we miss this sometimes, as a human being, for the eternal son of God to be born like me? Like that is low. Right? Like me? Oh. Like he's, he's majestic, he's glorious, he's awesome. Now he's like me. And yet more than that, he lives a perfect life. He goes to a cross for all our baggage, all our stuff, all our sin, all our shame, that we might be set free from it all. I mean, if that's not love, I don't know what else is. 
That's what love looks like. And that's the love that we're called to. That's the love that actually Advent is about. Being reminded of the great love that God has for us. All the darkness, all the rubbish, all the pain, Jesus steps into the breach of. For me. And for you. Every single one of us, no matter how far gone we feel, no matter how much stuff we've done, no matter how many times we haven't put aside the darkness, Jesus loves us. Jesus wants us. That's why he came. That's why he'll come back. December is really dark, isn't it? I mean, I might be wrong here, but it's pretty dark. Like June, like it's really sunny. It's great. You've got like the longest daylight hours. And then in December, you've got the shortest daylight hours. It's one of those, isn't it? You wake up in the morning, and before you go to work, it's dark. You're at work. It's light, but you're inside, so you can't do anything. And then you get out. Oh, and it's dark. And it's dark. And it's often wet. I mean, certainly in the Northern Hemisphere, it's like that. Right? And, it, and it's dark, and it can be a bit... Oh. But you know what I love about December? And it's got to be December, by the way. Not November, December. The lights start coming on. Oh, somebody's put the lights on their tree. Magic, come on. Oh, somebody else has done it. Somebody's gone the whole hog. And they've got music and it's like timed with lights and it's brilliant. And it's amazing. And you're like, all of a sudden, even on your way home, you're like, you're going on a different route to taking the fun houses. Anybody else? They're like, this street's got great houses on. We'll go down this one. And what do, you know, I sit in my car, even with exploding head woman just behind me, I'm smiling because the light is lighting up the darkness. There's something about it that even in the darkest of our times, light does something. It brings hope. It brings joy. And the ultimate light, the light of the world even, was Jesus Christ. And you know what he calls us to be? Lights shining brightly into the darkness. Like Christmas lights. Lighting up the coldest, the wettest, the most miserable December on record. But shining brightly. Bringing hope. Bringing joy. Bringing peace. So you know what? Above all for me with Advent, you know, there's hope and there's, there's getting ready. But it's the opportunity to love relentlessly. Because I think in loving people relentlessly and loving them even at a cost to ourselves. That demonstrates who God is more than anything else. Because that's what Jesus has done for you and for me. So I want to challenge you, church, in Advent. I know you've got your all different traditions and you've got different things. Uh, but I want to lay down a challenge that every single day during Advent you love. That you love people. And you are intentional with it. Because it's not something you can just mosey on through life with. You've got to intentionally do it. You've got to choose to do it. Choose to be kind to someone. Choose to demonstrate the love of Jesus to someone. Every, instead of having a chocolate, it's not good for you anyway. Love. That's way better. I mean, I have the chocolate as well, even bonus, eh? But love every single day of Advent. I want to set you a challenge. Try and do that. And you'll see God do things. Because as you step out in faith, God goes with you by his spirit. And that, for me, is what Advent should be. That's an Advent challenge for you to show hope. Let me read the verse. Do this. So love, understand in the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up. It's a time to wake up from our slumber because salvation is nearer now 
than the moment we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light.